0: Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Welcome to Hallis Intrigue, the Chicago Bears podcast where Jason, Justin Fields, did more amazing things. Uh, the Bears still managed to lose to the Lions of all people and an extra point, minus one swung the whole thing. We'll talk about all that and more coming up next on Hallis Intrigue.
1: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
0: Jason, you and I are sitting here in the Soldier Field press box. It's a 31 to 30 Lions win. We're trying to figure out whether this is good for the Bears, bad for the Bears, a little bit of both. I keep coming back to this. The Bears, even when they're horrible, usually don't lose to the Lions. And if the Lions is the are the limbo bar that you got to slide under, the Bears usually can. Um, they couldn't today.
1: Even when they've tried their hardest to do it, mm-hmm. uh, as they did last year on Thanksgiving, as they did uh, a couple of years ago in the season opener when somebody on the Lions dropped the game-winning touchdown pass at the end with all ten fingers on the ball. Yep. This is a bad thing for the Bears. They, the emphasis always this season is on long-term, on big-picture growth. And not on a single day's win or loss. But winning is part of that process. Yep. And winning against the Dolphins is unrealistic, probably. The Cowboys. Those are really good teams. Maybe not championship teams, either of them this year, but good teams. Playoff teams, for sure. This is one of the teams in your class right here, the Lions. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. they are rebuilding always. Right. And they are rebuilding right now like you are. That is a beatable team for you. Atlanta next week, Pat, is Absolutely. a beatable team for them. The Texans early in the season. You have to be able to beat the teams that are beatable that you face. And so throwing this game against away against the Lions, when you're up 24-10 to start the fourth quarter with the ball, 24-10 with the ball in your hands to start the fourth quarter, throwing that game away is a big setback for the Bears. And Pat, the most dispiriting Part of that loss mm-hmm. is who cost them the game.
0: They're good players. <laughs> Not, it wasn't the kids. It no. wasn't the
1: undrafted rookies out there. It was Justin Fields pick six. It was Cairo Santos missed extra point. It was Jalen Johnson lagging significantly in coverage on the Lions game-winning drive. And he's his injury, he's got an oblique injury. We saw him take himself out of the game. If he's hurt, you have nothing. Right. I mean, a reduced version of Jalen Johnson as your best cornerback is not a good situation for the Bears.
0: No, it's not. And you're right. I we I think the Bears can live with their young guys making mistakes. There was an instance today where Kyler Gordon, you know, blitzed, had a kill shot on Jared Goff, couldn't sack him, picked himself up, chased him halfway across the field, and nudged him the second he went out of bounds and got a flag. That cost the Bears 40 yards, but. I, I can live with that. Number one, because I think the call was ticky-tack. And number two, because in theory, he will not do this again. Even somebody like Justin Fields, who swears, hey, I'm never going to make that mistake again. Uh, you know, we should have dirted the ball on the screen to combat rather than forcing it in there. I can live with that. But Cairo Santos, the most steady thing about the Bears, you know, misses the extra point. Jalen Johnson has got an illegal hands-to-the-face penalty on what should have been a Jack Sanborn interception yeah. to get the ball back up 14. With 13 minutes to play and seal the game, that makes it harder to live with. Jason, do you know the last time the Lions uh, had a 14-point comeback in the fourth quarter of a game they won? It couldn't have been that long ago, could it? What year were you born? Uh, 84. Uh, You were 9. Wow. 1993. Halloween of 93. That's how rarely a bad franchise (laughs) has good things happen to them. And they managed to pull it out. Against the Bears today. Now their defense, the Bears' defense is horrible. And expecting, I think, expecting too much more than this is just going to end in frustration.
1: No, 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 no. Come on, they can't just. It can't just be an assumption that they're going to give up thirty points to terrible teams. You go into the Dallas game, you go into the Miami game. <laughs> Next month, you go into the Philly game or the Buffalo game, and you say, "Hey, we're going to give up a lot of points." Okay. All
0: right.
1: <laughs> I mean the Lions. The Lions were a hot offense early in the year. The yeah, Lions the, first the Lions have scored like 40 points in the last four games combined.
0: Yeah, I just don't know what else. You look at the roster that's out there. I mean, the Bears have gotten to the point where they're singing hosannas about Jack Sanborn. Jack Sanborn is so good that the Bears had no thought of playing him until they traded Roquan. He looked really,
1: really good today. He looks like he he knows what he's doing. two sacks. He had should have been interception. He looked really good. Yeah, God bless
0: him. He's in the right place at the right time. (laughs) Believe me, we will get to Justin Fields because we know that that's all you want to hear about. But real quick, Jason... There's a little Matt Nagy in here where you sit there and you go, This player's really good. He and should. the coaches go, I know, right? Somebody should have played him earlier. And you go, no, yes. oh, no, that's you. You can do that. Um, we
1: need to talk about Justin Fields, though, and the the we'll get we can get into a few different parts of Justin Fields' game, but the thing everyone's gonna remember is the pick six. That's what we need to look at. That's the lasting image is him sailing oh. this <laughs> screen pass over Cole Komet's head for a pick six. I think I might be in the minority on this. I'm not actually very alarmed by that. No, There was a brutal play today that ruined the game. That helped ruin the game significantly for them today. But here's a couple things I think about that play, Pat. Justin Fields has not been making a lot of bad decisions no. like that this season. There was a little bit of that last season. But this season, he's not been making decisions that I feel like fall into that category. I think he's been very conservative. He's made a lot of smart plays. He has typically thrown the ball away in that situation. I don't see that as a structural, alarming problem with Justin Fields. I think if his issues were, I can't read pass coverage, and I don't have a real good grasp of the playbook like Mitch Trubisky had, Mm -hmm. if he had those problems, that's not really something you're going to fix anytime soon. That mistake he made today, as brutal as it was in this game, I think actually is fixable.
0: He doesn't throw interceptions. I think this was his seventh of the season. That's not an absurd number. I think Josh Allen is 10 and leads the league there. Of course, Josh Allen does a lot of really good things, too. I, You know, he fumbles. That's kind of, you know, the, the bugaboo of his. I think he fumbled four times in a game earlier this year. But I'm not worried about him throwing picks. I, I think that... The Bears' playbook is designed pretty intelligently to avoid putting him in those sorts of situations. And I think, to his immense credit, he's done a really good job of not trying to force it.
1: And he he has said that. He said that that's one of the things that feels different this year. And I would imagine that has a lot to do with the fact that he has job security, at least for the season. It's not like last year. And I think that has been, as you're saying, reflected in his play.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether I can live with it, but I don't think throwing a, a screen pass, pick six, uh, that gets returned 20 yards is indicative of any sort of failure of, uh, you know, the, of, the, of play, of play calling damning. or of decision making.
1: It's not something we're going to be looking back at uh, a year or two from now and being like, it, it's been that play over and over. Like, that was the day we should have seen trouble coming. Sure. I don't think that's what this was with him.
0: See, I look back and you say everybody's going to remember the pick six. I think that's true. But remember... Three plays later, yeah. all he does is uncork the longest touchdown run a quarterback has ever had as a member of the Chicago Bears, surpassing a touchdown run that he had a week ago. 67 yards, yeah. jukes uh, Jukes a safety to the inside. Nobody comes close. You know, we were talking to Darnell Mooney after the game, and and Mooney said, you know, he's kind of slow. He's kind of running like a big guy there. And we went, he's 20 miles an hour. <laughs> Mooney goes, oh, okay. Uh, quick stat, by the way, uh, next-gen stats says that Fields has hit 20 miles an hour seven times this season. you want to guess every other quarterback walking the earth, how many they have combined?
1: Well, I already know because I saw it. But Nine. Yeah.
0: Nine. So more, almost half of all of the really fast runs by a quarterback this year have come from Justin Fields. That To me, that's the memorable one. If last week's 61-yarder didn't happen, this would be something that we go home and tell our wives and kids about the minute we walk in the door. Because this wasn't unique, amazingly, I think you go to the pick six.
1: On his day, today, we can call it even on the pick six mm-hmm. and the touch, the 67-yard touchdown run because it's not a play that everybody can make. Mm-hmm. That is not something every quarterback can do. And Did you, you say anybody or everybody? It might not be a play anybody can it's make. Not, you have to be him to make that yeah, play. Right. So I can live with his mistake that he uniquely is qualified to make up for. And Pat, that's what you have here. Mm-hmm. You, when you have elite talent, mm-hmm. that covers some mistakes. Yep. That covers up some errors, that allows you to compensate for things that other people cannot compensate for. And I think we're sitting here right now, we would have to really look deep into the numbers, deep into the film itself to decide whether it's him or Lamar Jackson, is the best running quarterback in the NFL. And the fact that we're having that conversation, the fact that Justin Fields is either 1A or 1B for best running quarterback in the NFL, if I told you going into the season, (laughs) you would be able to say at least that. You'd still have questions, but you'd have that if you're the Bears. That would be a really, really good thing. Because when do the Bears have anybody who's the best at anything? Especially at that position, you don't have ever a guy with an elite skill.
0: How about this? If you had sat me down at the beginning of the year and said, the Bears have the best rushing attack in football. The Bears, in fact, ran for uh, 200 yards again today, which means I think they're the first team since the 76 Steelers to run for 200 yards in five straight games. Um, That they have the best rushing attack in football. If you could tell me that in the last month, they're scoring 30 points a game, give or take. They're not winning those games, but they're scoring 30 points. It'd be unbelievable. I mean, when I checked in with my boss, our boss today, I said, you know, they scored 30, but they really, you know, when they needed a touchdown, they couldn't get it. And I stopped myself. I'm like, this would have been insane six weeks ago to say another superb offensive performance, uh, you know, except for the final two minutes. That's not excusing the final two minutes, but that's like, the growth has been so exponential that I, I think we need to remind ourselves how far that.
1: It was remarkable the last few years when they got to thirty points. Oh my god! You're like oh wow, 30, also, also thirty-six they, to seven against the Texans. Also, or they had like a, that.
0: Defense, a defense that was good enough that when they got to thirty points, it was a win.
1: It was over. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and you know the, that's one of the things that that, and I want to talk about the one yard run too here in a second. But <laughs> but to, to go off on a little bit of a jag here. I don't understand, and maybe if you're listening at home, maybe you're one of these fans, the fans that say if they lose, we get a better draft pick or whatever. I think that them scoring when they have to score is a pretty important step they have to take here.
1: That's what the point, though, of why the wins do matter in the rebuild. You need to get wins in these scenarios.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you can bet the Lions. I mean, the Lions don't have a quarterback. Lions are flying home tonight saying we're making progress. We're making progress. Whether that's true or not. I don't... It's not. It's probably not. It's not. But it's because they won the game. And Jason, I'm just curious, why do you think it is that when the Bears have got to go, in the case of today, they've got to go 35, 40 yards to kick a field goal to win the game? Why can't they do it? Is it as simple as when everybody knows they're throwing, it's hard to execute? Is it as simple as you can't... Your game plan can't be scramble, scramble, scramble um, because the clock's running and because... You don't want your quarterback getting exhausted. Why can't they move the ball against the worst defense in football when they have to?
1: You know, that might even be more frustrating, Pat, than the pick six. Yeah. Because I feel like that is probably more indicative of a bigger problem than the pick six was. The pick six was a single bad decision Mm -hmm. that I don't think you'll see a lot of. That is more of a recurring problem that you're seeing just these dead-end drives. Well, well,
0: and what I worry about is what I think we saw in that fourth down play in which Justin Fields was hit by three different guys— until he was then tackled by three guys altogether, um, is that I'm afraid that he, on pass plays late in games, thinks he needs to do it all himself. And do you know why? Because he kind of needs to do it all himself. But I feel like there are instances in which his eyes need to be up, in which they and they're not. And maybe when Equinemeus St. Brown drops fourth and ten one week, and Mooney drops the ball at the goal line the next week, or you know earlier in the season, you know and. Amir Smith Marset fumbles. Maybe you think if you're Justin Fields, maybe you start to think, ah, I gotta be Superman here. But there's it's it's become more than a trend to me. It's become I don't want to say an epidemic, that's probably overstating it, but it's a problem that when they've when they've got to have it, they can't get it.
1: Well, and it's part of it is that it's feast and famine with the scrambles. Mm-hmm. And not just uh, game to game, which it is. Mm-hmm. And that's where, and in both cases, it's why you want to see Justin Fields develop into a better passer because yep. it is so great to have that scramble, to have that in your back pocket that on third and nine, everything breaks down and I can just run and go get it. Mm-hmm. But you can't count on that all the time. And you can't count on 178 yards rushing from your quarterback last week, 147 this week. It's not always going to be there game to game and it's not always going to be there. When the game's on the line, pet. when they get the ball here at the end of the game, uh, down one at their own 20 with 217 left, they've got to go 80 yards.
0: No, they don't. They have to go 30 well, or whatever. 40 yards. They, they can get You, you have to ball. get a
1: ton of yards. You're right, you're right. You have to get a ton of yards. You can't count on being able to scramble your way to that. No. Distance-wise and clockwise, you might not get there. And they know that, so they're playing you to pass. You've got to pass. Well, you don't have an offensive line, You've got one good receiver in Darnell Mooney. Well, Chase, and Chase Claypool will be good, but he's not really involved and, right now. And
0: Cole Kamek gets knocked to the ground on, a, on I believe, a first-down pass play and limps off the field, so he is out of commission for the rest of that drive. Claypool, like you said, in theory this is why Chase Claypool's here, but he was used, strangely, he was used less often today than he was a week earlier. Um, it's, it's a reminder that the Bears are still missing pieces, and that
1: Those pieces, especially on the offensive line, when they
0: don't have the benefit of surprise or of being able to out scheme people, when you've just got to say, go get open and I'll throw you the ball, uh, they struggle doing that.
1: If I told you that they would fire essentially the entire starting offensive line before next season, you, you couldn't rule that out. You couldn't say that's impossible.
0: No, no. Any one of those
1: guys could be gone.
0: I think Cody Whitehair is a good player. And I think that Tevin Jenkins, who didn't play today because of a hip injury, that if you have him on the proper trajectory, it should be in your best interest to keep him around. Alex Leatherwood, I hope we get to see at some point, because if not, they're paying a hell of a lot of money for somebody to stand around on the sideline. Yeah, but you, know, on, <laughs> you can upgrade four of those five spots. I think all but Whitehair would be my guess right now. If you wanted to. And they're going to have the money to. but
1: You hope that's the next build here is from the top down. You hope, for example, at wide receiver, they bring in somebody that either through the draft, free agency, trade, whatever. That's better than Claypool. And now you're talking about like TB, TBD number one receiver, Claypool number two, Mooney number three. Now you have a real receiver room like... The Rams or the Bengals or one of those teams have. Yeah,
0: I think they need to rebuild their front seven. That's probably they need to rebuild a lot for, for, for another day. I, I want to talk real quick about Justin Fields' one-yard run at the end of the first half. It's you know a third and goal at the one. He takes a shotgun snap, looks at Mooney in the flat, and he's covered. And there's no other, there's no way to describe it other than I might have been more impressed by the one-yard run than I was. The 67-yard run because he was caught. He was caught. He was uh, done. Yeah, a, a defender had his arms around his waist, yanked him to the ground, and the defender went to the ground. Fields stayed up. He, you know, he takes two steps right. You know, four steps left. Takes off down the left-hand side, and then he's got number five. Forgive me, I, I forget his name uh, at the goal line waiting for him. And all Fields does is lower his right throwing shoulder, which, by the way, might not be the greatest idea. Lowers his throwing shoulder, trucks the guy, scores. The violence of that play, I think, fired everybody up. And it's really hard to argue because the Bears came out at halftime and scored touchdowns on the next two drives. But the, I think that shows you the versatility of Fields as a runner. Fields, you know, is he a sprinter? Yes. Is he a marathoner? Shoot, when he runs 67 yards, yeah. But he can also just put his head down and go truck a dude. And that was interesting, but it's, it, it's exciting it's also really dangerous, isn't it? It is,
1: and this keeps coming up. This came up again today with uh, Matt Eberflus afterward, and all you hear from Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields is how smart Justin Fields is and how he's avoiding a lot of these hits. I mean, we're seeing him get hit a lot. Mm-hmm. I think this is just something, though, that the Bears have to live with. You can't... The alternative, Pat, is to coach this out of his game, and I don't think he can be the best possible quarterback he can be without this. He, he needs to have this available to him, and... If you're going to miss games, sometimes you got to live with that the way the Ravens live with that with Lamar Jackson. and I, th- I believe you are the person that I've had this conversation with. Going forward, one of the things they really need to do is they need to draft a backup quarterback that plays the style that Justin Fields yep. plays because if you had to go three or four games without him, you'd want to have, like the Ravens do, Tyler Huntley, a quarterback who comes in and plays the same kind of offense, not Trevor Simeon. You should be doing that for development's <laughs> sake anyway. Well, there should be a fourth or fifth round quarterback coming in here next year, anyway, just for like planning's sake. But as a backup, it would make sense to have it be someone with Justin Field's skill set.
0: It would. Although ten minutes ago, didn't we sit here and say nobody else on the planet could do what he does? <laughs> that makes finding right. a second one of him hard. Uh, but no, no, yeah, no, just
1: someone that does what he does. Obviously, it's, it's the Diet Coke version of him. Right. But like, I like, you need it. that skill set.
0: I'm pro Diet Coke, by the way. Say Diet RC, Diet Diet RC, Diet Right version of him. Um, yeah, you're right. And Fields, presuming that the Bears think he's the guy, I think I think we're getting there. Uh, at some point, the backup doesn't need to be a mentor to you anymore. At some point, the backup can just be the backup, and you don't need handful or hold- someone that
1: you're developing, man. Because, yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, if we get because you don't a- need a
0: veteran to hold his hand anymore, you can just draft somebody.
1: If you're in a season like this where they're rebuilding and Justin Fields is going to miss four games with some you know kind of moderate level injury, yeah then what's the point of those four games with Trevor Simeon at quarterback for the Bears? yep, absolutely. If you get into a season where you're actually good, Mm -hmm. that's a scary idea to go into a four-game stretch without Justin Fields. I mean, you, you need to have somebody that would play his style of game at least.
0: And Fields, for the record, said that his legs were sore today. He got a cut behind his right ear, or on his right ear. He actually needed stitches to stop the bleeding. But, you know, that's about as close. You know, he's usually a... You know, a cyborg after the game says, ah, I'm not hurt. I'm fine. My body feels great." The most he would give us today was that uh, his legs were a little bit sore, and my guess is if if I ran for as many yards as he ran for, uh, my legs would be sore too. Uh, Jason, defensively, how can the Bears keep games from getting out of control so we can so they can trust what they see? Developmentally, So they can trust what they see on both sides of the ball. We've talked about this. If they're giving up 40 points a game, their offense is going to have to change to chase that. And if so, is that really a true view of their O-line? How do you judge an O-line if you're pass blocking more often than you should be? How do you judge a running back if you're throwing more? What, does this def- what can this defense do to give them a normal look at the whole team? Because right now, it's, it's bad.
1: It's bad. Well, help is not on the way. There's nobody coming. No. I mean, you've...
0: Matt Adams doesn't do it for you?
1: No. <laughs> what what they need, Pat, would be they would need to have hired a head coach with 30 years of expertise coaching defense. Oh, wait. To okay. turn some of these guys <laughs> into at least, like, you know, league average defensive players. And maybe you're seeing that with Jack Sanborn. Maybe you're seeing Jack Sanborn is not Roquan Smith. But maybe he becomes a league average starter. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's one more thing that's not one of your problems. Right. Cross that off the list. You've got a couple things in place now. You've got good safeties. You've got Jalen Johnson. That's about it. Maybe Travis Gibson emerges. Maybe Dominique Robinson emerges with with Al-Qadim Muhammad missing time. I mean, you've got to develop somebody into something. Travis Gibson really should be like, he needs to either... I thought he'd be good this year. He either needs to become something. He had seven sacks last year. He either needs to become something, or he needs to he needs to go. You
0: were going to say he needs to blank or get off the blank, but you can't. He's got to go. He's got to go.
1: Back. He can't be taking up snaps if he's not turning into something.
0: No, and you know that's that's the amazing thing. You saw the Bears blitz today, whether it was with Gordon, whether it was was with Sanborn, and. Ibriflus, the whole basis of his defense what he wants is, to do. is you get home with four, and now all of a sudden the Bears are doing something that they don't want to do, right? Because there's no other alternative, and I think it
1: is problematic, yeah. Because I think that one of the things he needs to do defensively is as clearly establish the way that him and Allen Williams want to play, right? And they're going obviously going against that out of necessity, yep. And I don't think that's productive in the long term. That's a that's a quick fix for something that is. Uh, that works against what they're trying to set up for the long term. Yeah, it is.
0: And (laughs) they may just be holding on for dear life the rest of the season, especially once they start playing good teams. Jason, I want to touch on two more things, and then we'll get out of here real quick. Number one, you talked to Cairo Santos after the game. What was his mood like? You know, Obviously, if he makes the extra point, the Bears are at the very least tied. Uh, That doesn't mean they would have won the game, but uh, they certainly wouldn't have lost it the way they did.
1: Cairo said that he, he also had a kickoff out of bounds, which was uncharacteristic of him. That yep. didn't really end up costing them. Um, I don't, I think Detroit punted on that one, and they might have even gone three and out. Uh, Cairo Santos had a few different thoughts on that, one being that it does not affect his confidence. He says he is, quote, unconscious when he's kicking, that he mm. is just everything is so routine, he essentially could do it with his eyes closed. And there was something he believed that had gone wrong operationally in there, somewhere with the snap, the hold, the place, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, He had not seen the film yet at the time I talked to him, which I found odd. I feel like you'd want to know that right away, what went wrong there. I, in my view off the TV feed that we have, didn't see anything wrong with it, but it was a very wrong kick. It was a wild kick, Pat. He was on the right hash mark, and he sent that thing wobbling and hooking left, like, inexplicably. And, and his point, I guess, would be if the ball comes out that wrong, something happens sure. that messed it up. But there was not an issue with the wind or the turf or anything like that. Um, Cairo Santos overall says that uh, that is not the reason that they lost the game. Because there were other plays to be made to. And that it does not really affect his confidence going forward.
0: I wrote 750 words in the Saturday newspaper about Cairo Santos being steady and, the be- and one of the best things the Bears have going for them. I apologize to he and his family for jinxing him. Although, to be clear, Jason, what I wrote about was his consecutive made field goal streak, not extra points. Still alive, Pitt. Not extra points. Um, yeah, that's, that was just, it was just bizarre. It was bizarre, and it gets back to your point about how uh, the Bears, <laughs> the Bears were, were doomed by the guys that you wouldn't think... Would doom them. The most reliable guys. Yeah, and and last point, real quick. um, Valis Jones, healthy scratch again today. Nikhil Harry, healthy scratch. um, All for the sake of Byron Pringle to play. Pringle, I believe, had one catch for 12 yards. He was targeted twice. Uh, I think it's a very bearish conversation to argue about whether you should play the guy with three catches or the guy with five catches. But I was a little surprised that Pringle got to jump to, uh, to, the, to the adult's table right away. Um,
1: he was their big signee. If you remember back to agency, this doesn't feel like this could be true anymore. Right. Because we've seen nothing from him because he's been hurt the entire time. He was there
0: splurged, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. One year, what, six million something?
1: But he was was hurt like all of August, I think, wasn't he? Didn't he miss almost all of training camp? And now he's been hurt almost all the season. So we haven't seen anything from him. We've kind of forgotten about him. We've moved on to Nikhil Harry and Dante Pettis. Um, and, of course, Equinemius St. Brown is always going to play for them, even though he's not really a producer mm-hmm. in the passing game.
0: Can we, play, can we play a quick game of Bears receiver uh, statistical roulette here? Yes. Equinemius St. Brown, how many targets did he have today?
1: I'm going to guess two.
0: Zero. Oh. Uh, he took two handoffs, but he had zero. Uh, his brother, by the way, had ten for one nine, or 10 catches for 119 yards. Uh, Chase Claypool, how many uh, targets did he have today, Jason?
1: Uh, What did he have last week? Six? So it would have to be probably more like eight to ten.
0: He had two. Uh. And uh, caught one ball for eight yards. Uh, Essentially, if your name wasn't Darnell Mooney, you had one catch or fewer uh, if you were a Bears receiver. That is... (laughs) That's amazing. I'm a little thrown (laughs) off
1: by Nikhil Harry being scratched. I feel like that is a project that you want to see through if you're the bears.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get. I get back to the fact that none of these guys are, they, they haven't invested. The only one they've invested in beyond this year, uh, you know, besides, you know, Claypool and Mooney is Bayless Jones. Like in theory, he's the one that, <laughs> that you benefit from getting better every week. And I know Matt Eberflus has said, we, we give him those opportunities in practice, but, but, uh, one of two things has to be true. Number one, either the Bears aren't interested in developing the rookie, or number two, he's been so bad that they can't. And uh, both of those options are pretty bad, don't you think?
1: Maybe they're so maybe they're so uh, pragmatic and decisive that they already see that and they're moving on. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch, especially. It's as- a new
1: regime, like the you don't, and it's a new regime not just here, but it's a new regime. Period. They've never had a they've never been a regime. Yeah. Like, we don't have anything to point back to him and be like, oh, here's how they handled this, here's how they handled right. that. Like, they're writing that story in real time for us here.
0: Yeah, the, the best I can make out of it is they're really trying to just win every Sunday and they don't think he can get there. And if you believe the whole, the standard is the standard and we grade you like we are robots and if you don't make the grade, you don't play, I, I guess that, that makes sense. But I think at some point you need, at some point the length of his contract and the fact that you used the third-round pick on him has has to play into this.
1: The no. third-round pick more than the contract because he'll be cheap. He probably is on a four-year deal, right? Yeah. right? yeah. But it's cheap. Um, it's more right. that third-round pick after you didn't take a wide receiver with either of your second-round picks and you thought, I mean, when you're rebuilding, your third-round picks have to be contributors. Not, not necessarily right now, but like Valus right. Jones, a third-round pick, if he doesn't turn into something for you next year, um. Or in the year after, that's a flop. That's a that's a bad draft pick.
0: Yeah, and we'll see too. Uh, you know, Dante Pettis is playing. Uh, he had one target today. He's playing ostensibly because he returns punts. You'll see if they could get if they have trust in Jones for any reason. Maybe maybe that's the excuse to get him back in. Is you make him your punt returner? But you
1: know. while while we're in the minutia, real quick. Okay. What do you think is going on with Leatherwood?
0: I don't, I don't know. It's not good enough.
1: He looks like he's not in shape. Everything they say sounds like this hint of he's not in shape enough to play. Right, but he's active on Sundays.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's so at-
1: in theory, he'd play if there was a need.
0: I, I would argue to you that he wasn't active until everybody got hurt.
1: <laughs> I don't think he was active on merit. He hasn't been playing. He didn't play. He was active today, but didn't play.
0: Yeah, and he's the only guy beside Trevor Simeon who didn't get in the game. By the way. So, uh, a complete afterthought. But you
1: can't, I guess, do they think they can't stash him on the practice squad because there would be enough other teams interested in him?
0: Well, they have to pay his salary. I mean, they inherited his salary. So, they're on the hook even if they let him go. So um, I mean, they could cut him
1: and try to bring him back on the practice squad for a roster spot, but maybe...
0: I don't know. I'm fine with them developing somebody with that pedigree. At some point before the end of the season, I would like to see him on the field. I just
1: don't get what's happening on Sundays with him. Like, shouldn't he be inactive?
0: Who else do they have? I mean, that's what you get back to, though. He probably would have been if Tevin Jenkins were healthy today. I mean, right? Maybe. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting, particularly. I mean, they're at 3-7 now, Jason. You know, I, I think I wrote this today. I think or before, coming into the weekend, they had the third worst chance of making the playoffs of any team in football. You know, so, you know, that, that ship is obviously sailed. So we'll see when they look ahead I don't think they're there yet, and when it comes to protecting Justin Fields, maybe they should be in no rush to to take their chances. I I, I think that, uh, Valus Jones is a different conversation. Yeah, As, I agree. If okay. Valus Jones screws up, Justin Fields uh, can still walk in the morning. Uh, that's not the case when you're talking about no linemen. But uh, there will be plenty of time to debate <laughs> the Alex Leatherwoods and Valus Joneses uh, of of the world. But we're <laughs> at right that part of the season. Huh? No, not yet. Uh, Justin Fields, in all seriousness, is doing. Things on Sundays that, Jason, you and I haven't seen before. So that's going to make the rest of the season uh, as exciting as I think we probably could have expected uh, it to be. Uh, Follow along here as we get you through uh, going into the Falcons game next week. Mark Potash will rejoin us later in the week. Until then, you can follow Jason and I and Potsey on Twitter. You can check us out on the SunTimes website and in print. And as always, please like, rate, and review The show for Jason Leisure, who has put his backpack and coat on and is getting ready to go. Uh, I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon.
1: Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.